Okay. Before we get started, just yeah, I, where do you live and uh, what do you do? I live in Northville. Um, I'm a software developer. Uh, I work for a company out of Ann Arbor remotely, as yeah. a lot of people have been mm-hmm. doing. <laughs> but, but we actually did just open up uh, relatively recently. If we want to go back, uh, we can. Oh. Um, I don't. I don't think very many people do, Mm-mm. to be honest. Uh, I've, I'll be honest with like myself. I have gotten quite used to the remote. How old are you? I am thirty. My my kids are all in their thirties, and probably my oldest son is more the one that wants to go in. Yeah. But the other, well, I'm one's a teacher, so he finally gone in. But my younger son's in. Something like you do. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Um, and he, he loves it. Yeah. So I think that's... People are going to say, you know where we can cut costs? Not have a place to work. Yeah. I mean, it is yeah. financial. So, But mm-hmm. they people make those decisions. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. No, sorry. Oh. Go ahead. So, and how did you get interested in doing what we're doing today? This This started in 2020. Actually, uh, after pandemic started, I I usually train, so I do a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Our, my gym shut down for a while, mm-hmm. and I'm just sitting in my apartment. Actually, I was living in Plymouth at the time. Um, I lived in Plymouth for two years, and I just had always thought, man, wouldn't it be cool to read books and then do essentially like a book club because I was reading a lot of books at that time. I still do, but at that time I was reading a lot of books that I would have to uh, go to YouTube for and kind of search for like the main points of a book Mm -hmm. just in case if I had missed something while I read it. And I was finding that these videos are great. Like people do great book summaries but yeah. it's usually just like one video for like the mm-hmm. entire book, relatively short. And I thought th- like that has its place. It's definitely very valuable. But I thought, okay, what if I do something like that where I break it down chapter by chapter so it's a little more detailed mm-hmm. and we can get more into the weeds. And yes, it'll be longer, but for people who are, really want to deep dive mm-hmm. into a book that information would be out there so i started with a book called man's search for meaning by victor frankel, victor frankel. yeah have you read that book? oh yeah ah that, that was a good book did you ever see the video of him it's about a four minute video about the meaning of life you should he talks about becoming a pilot wow you must must watch it this is like this, mm-hmm. that's he, well anyway i i loved his book but mm-hmm. that's a four minutes that's the best of uh victor frankel i think i don't know i don't think i've seen it i've seen on youtube i've seen like clips of an interview of him um but yeah he that book was so powerful yeah. especially who he was or who he is in his background yeah it's yeah. A, yes, he's a wonderful, wonderful author too. Yeah, because he was a 
he was a psychologist or psychiatrist, I think. I don't remember. And then he gets imprisoned. Mm-hmm. And th- the crazy thing was, I remember in the beginning of the book, he said he had a chance to leave Germany, but he chose to stay because his parents couldn't leave. Right. And I just thought, wow, how many, like, how many people would do that? Like, not very many. I don't know. <sighs> Unless, like, my parents told me, no, like, you need to leave. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, I, think about it, too. Uh, yes, his parents were there, but all the mm-hmm. other families there. Yeah. So it's not an easy, easy decision. No, no, not at all. That's where this whole well, that's, journey started was from that book. Yeah. Well, uh, from my own personal experience, I'll tell you that um, mm-hmm. working on the Music in the Park, and then that led to Miracle League. Mm-hmm. But I had the chance to do the radio show because the woman that did it before me, Betty, is she just turned 90. Mm-hmm. So I had been on her show a couple times, and it was more for seniors. And uh, uh, she called me one day, and she says, I'm stepping out from my show. That's 10 years every week. Wow. And so uh, I said, oh, man, I'd love to do that. She goes, that's why I'm calling. So I had the opportunity to pick up my, the phone and say, hey, you want to be on the radio with me? Oh, what do you got? It's a radio show because hey, I'm 50. I don't remember all the was at the time. In my 50s. And... For me, my son had been on on the radio in high school, and then he left. Uh, Bill Keith, the manager, had this one show. Uh, it was at 10.30 on Wednesdays. Who watches that? But luckily, I'm married to a guru, uh, tech guy, so Bill would make a copy, and then we put it on online, and it's been there all that time. But I'm really glad because there's some things in there um, that I that I had. But for you, in the when my son was... Um, graduating with looking for jobs i go mm-hmm. you must mention being on the radio show and he goes why i go because it's cool <laughs> you know and then, yeah. um and yeah. the other thing he was with miracle no those aren't part of the jobs but that's the thing that gives you conversation yeah but yeah and whenever i'm reading a book like for the book clubs i usually will go online and you know uh watch the the author's online. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a broader way. Because if you like books, and I do, who are you going to talk to about it? So that kind of interaction. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. And so the funny thing about the radio, um, somebody once asked me, uh, how many people are listening? I go, you know, you don't have services that tell you how many are listening and besides Mm -hmm. i knew a lot of the people they're they're working so i would give the copy to them Mm -hmm. and they loved it and i said you can play in it anywhere and you can also put this on if you're at work you can put it on and she goes well how many i go well more than you you should have radio show (laughs) (laughs) just like no way I did never think there was 10,000. That's really not the, the, the joy for me was just doing it. And then mm-hmm. I had, uh, I did have a couple authors on, and one of them was oh, local. Word. His father had been in the war, he was a prisoner of war. Wow. And we extended it to two shows mm-hmm. because it was fascinating. And uh, so I had several authors. Betty had always, she wanted to, uh, 
uh, Elmore Leonard, their author, she ran into oh, him. Yeah, he was yeah. on her show. Hey, got a radio show. That's very cool. <laughs> Is he, um, and really quick before I ask yeah. this, um, just a little introduction. My name is Chris. This is Cheetash. Welcome to our episode. Um, talking about a book written by a local author in this area, uh, Deborah Madonna. Deborah, thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. Um, and you wrote a book on your experience with a stroke, which we will for sure get into. Um, really quick before that, though, before I lose my train of thought, Elmore Leonard, did he? What did he write again? And mysteries, mysteries, action. Um, was that Pulp El- Fiction? I think it was, I, and I could be wrong. I think it was Pulp Fiction. That was okay, kind of really short, succinct. He lived up in the. Uh, he lived in probably Bloomfield. Brooklyn. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Because I've heard, yeah, I've definitely heard that name before, mm-hmm. and I feel like the the works that he's written have turned into movies, like yeah. you said. Pulp Fiction. And, and I don't, I'd have to I'll look it up. I don't have my phone, so I can't look it up. <laughs> uh, but yes, wow. he's been on a lot. And, and so it was a thrill of her life. That was the one person she wanted to interview. Uh-huh. But she and I also have a mutual one with David Letterman. And so you never know. We can always wow. call Bill and say, well, hey, get us, give us some airtime. Yeah. So yeah, th- we both wanted to talk to Dave Letterman. Don't ask me why. <laughs> Is that so? Out of all the late night hosts, you know, if you take like Jay Leno and mm-hmm. Jimmy Kimmel, Fallon, uh, Conan, David's your favorite. Well, uh, for personal reasons, I, I mean, of course, I love Colbert. I I think oh, they're all Colbert, really good. Yeah. Um, but at one time, uh, I'd watch Letterman, especially in those early days. He was very silly, very silly. But uh, we had one of our kids who was not feeling good for quite a long time, and it, it all turned out well. And so I would, I was just, just so down, and I put him on, and I don't know why. It was it, so I'm eternally grateful to Letterman, and I'd be more grateful if he would consider. <laughs> <laughs> Could I ask you to grab my water? It's oh right. yeah, I'm for sorry. sure. Yeah, I meant to bring it over. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Letterman's because he's silly. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do, have you watched? He he has this uh, Netflix show now, uh, which I've seen a couple episodes, and I forget which one I saw. It actually, I I, it might have been one he had Kim Kardashian on. <laughs> I think I actually caught that one. I came home uh, to my parents' house, and I think my mom was watching it. I said, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll check it out for a second. Um, I remember he had, I think he had Kanye West on, too. Yeah. I, I think I watched that. Dave Chappelle. I think I think I caught a that little bit That one was really good. Was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, I, I love Dave Chappelle. Um, I used to watch his show a lot back when it was on Comedy Central. Uh, I probably shouldn't have been watching it because I was still a little yeah. too young for it. But, you know, we we made it work, and we still found a way to you, sneak it past my parents. You have to watch <laughs> things that you're not old enough to watch. That's the, that's the secret of life. What, 
what was the equivalent of something like that for you growing up, like kind of sneaking things past well, your parents? There really wasn't any stuff like this on TV. We didn't have yeah. we had like three channels. Oh wow. I think it was more just staying up late. Yeah. And then I would get up early in the morning before school, which I'm not very good at doing that, but the three stooges were on <laughs> before I went to school. So the TV we had, remember, you know, we're the age that got all this, all that. Mm-hmm. So whatever, it was more staying up late. Mm-hmm. But uh, but if you watch Johnny Carson, oh, yeah. he was a little inappropriate, especially nowadays. He we could never get on. <laughs> but um, it was, I think it's because you've, well, I know Peyton Place. That was it. That was Peyton, Peyton Place. Place. That was, was a, a TV show. Yeah, it was a soap opera with um, Mia Farrow, Ryan O'Neill, and that was it. Was like on three nights a week, I think. Okay. And and that back that was a book back in the forties, where she she wrote about her hometown, mm-hmm. and you know people getting in trouble and stuff. <laughs> so they made it a weekly show. So yeah, that was one I it probably uh, snuck out and watched. I can't imagine you only had three channels. Yeah. Well, wow. and we got channel 50 and 56 later. Oh, and I'm sorry. Um, we had four. Canada. We had. <laughs> okay. C- yeah, we had. So, yeah, that's it. Wow. So the good thing is you all watch the same stuff. Uh-huh. And that's what the conference. Did you see so-and-so last night? Now it's. It, now when you were streaming movies, I. Mm-hmm. To send my friend, hey, I'm watching this. So yeah. we kind of like elongated out. I sometimes, when I, whenever I'll go to my parents, they are, they have the TV on and they're trying to stream a movie. They spend almost just as much time just looking for a movie to watch than like actually watching the movie. So, I mean, not actually. I, I, I'm exaggerating I a understand. little bit. Yeah, I know. But there's so many options. Now, too many that i feel like you get paralyzed by just the sheer number you could watch netflix in the volume that's on there hulu amazon prime uh whatever else youtube now um that's great plus you still have cable and all the stuff on there and it's awesome to have the options but sometimes if i'm looking for something to watch it's, ah i just got to pick something because like, <laughs> it's time to, it's late. Yeah. Uh, well, here, think, consider the difference. Now, I mean, I'm, of course, I'm a Beatles fan. I can watch it all day long. Mm-hmm. And then YouTube, I know people object to them having algorithms that they can pick what you mm. want, but they are very good when it comes <laughs> to music. I'm sorry. And they rem- Amazon reminds me what I wanted to get. So it's very helpful. It's my shopping list. I don't have to buy everything. Uh, but... In 1963, or 64, excuse me, when they went on, for some reason, the word got out about the Beatles because Mm -hmm. didn't really know who they were. Mm -hmm. I remember watching it. But think about this. I couldn't couldn't watch that again. There's no, you can't tape it. Right. And so that's why I think when, uh, and you, you couldn't get copies of movies. You had one time to get it. So people like me, when all the stuff that I used to enjoy, that's why a lot of movie, music from the 60s, 70s, you know, it was, it's all there for you. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been telling everybody, I've got a plan for retirement. So what's this physically going to look like? Mm-hmm. And if you have to have people help you, they, they have to know your, 
your music, so they have to be like YouTube. Yeah. You want to watch this today? <laughs> but you can watch the Beatles one time because then you had uh -huh. your transistor radio. But you know, they you listen to what they played. Mm -hmm. So to think, then you could buy the record. But wow. to think how many times you would watch that over and over and over. Yeah. Wow. I know. It's like, uh, boy, we were. And TV shows. Mm -hmm. You never saw them again. Yeah. Until now they, a lot of times, so you'll say, oh, let me see if I can find that. Yeah. Just much, much different times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Not better, just different. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, not yeah. better, just different. I, I get it a lot from some people who are, older than me that oh you don't know what you missed or oh like kids these days oh, yeah. are I got it a lot when I was younger I'm and now I'm I feel like I'm at an age where now there are like little kids running around like a new generation being mm -hmm. born and I try not to do the same thing to them like say oh you kids these days are just <laughs> awful it's like i don't i don't know i feel like i was pretty awful myself oh. i definitely did things that were not great um, you know you probably weren't real awful you're probably you were appropriate for your age yeah that's what we <laughs> yeah. all are really because <laughs> yeah. really i can pretend i never did anything wrong but mm -hmm. and you're not going to confront me and i probably don't remember what i did wrong <laughs> but the interesting things my friends from grade school, we all, the night the Beatles came on, mm -hmm. we went to school and we lost our minds. <laughs> and so they, we always, they'll be sending me stuff about the Beatles, the mm -hmm. song this day. So it's a way of communicating uh, with people, even mm -hmm. though it's been all those, all those years ago. Wow. And the Beatles are, I mean, they're still, Paul McCartney's still around. I know. They, I don't know how old he is. He's but, 80. Wow. That song they had, When I'm 64, we thought was, an, oh, 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 that happened to me. <laughs> I've passed that now. Oh, well. You know, you can only uh, go forward. You can't, or you can stop. Yeah. This is the end of the line, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, Deborah, I wanted to say about your book, um, I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. First, first off. Um and I have an interesting story on on a stroke. Um, actually, my my grandfather, my dad's dad, uh, had a stroke, and I remember it affected him a uh, pretty significantly. Mm -hmm. um, his speech definitely was not the same after that, and he st he still lived like a few years mm -hmm. after he ended up uh, dying of cancer. Actually the th the one thing that was that happened this happened a couple years ago i was perusing the internet like i usually do and i saw do you remember michael johnson he was a sprinter for the yes. us mm -hmm. um 200 meter 400 meter gold medalist like multiple olympics in a row he had a stroke oh i didn't know that this was a couple years ago and he was still relatively young and i thought to myself oh wow i thought a stroke is kind of 
for elderly, older people, but it can kind of hit anybody, right? A- absolutely. Well, and the character from Game of Thrones, uh huh. I forget the character's name. She had the dragons. Okay. She had okay. a stroke at 23 wow. and then at 24. Her name's Amelia Clark, and you can find out she's uh, at this organization. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yes, she had at 20, 23, 24. Uh, in the second, wow. one of the early years of uh, Game of Thrones, and she was able to go back because the one wow. thing she can do is remember her lines. There's a lot uh-huh. of things. She, so what do you do with your life, in your life? Can you still do, uh-huh. and what can't you do? But, um, well, one out of four people have a stroke. Wow. But also you'll have a similar, anything that affects the brain could be a cardiac incident because you're losing blood to the brain. Mm -hmm. You can have Parkinson's. There's um, dementia, of course, and multiple sclerosis. All these that change the way we think and we operate. Mm -hmm. So that was really one of my reasons for writing it because I've taught health issues mm-hmm. and if we people are just dumbfounded when you go in the hospital they think that's it and the other issue was when I went in the hospital I went in the hospital I was working before mm-hmm. for most of my life and then I when I went in I was unconscious when mm-hmm. I came out a month later I was sitting up and I could speak but we walked out the door that I always came in, and I thought about when I'd be working nights, I'd, I'd be out there, and you could tell people they're kind of lost or you know, they don't know where something is or they're going through some hard times. And I knew that I was comfortable in the hospital. I had experience with the information. But imagine going into the hospital and <clears throat> hating hospitals. Hating doctors, and your family does too. Mm-hmm. Whoa, that that gets in the way of a lot of stuff. My husband, he what his his role was. Every day he would comment on what I could do better, mm-hmm. a little bit. And I knew when people say you'll be better, you'll be brand new in six months is not true, but that doesn't mean you're unhappy, mm-hmm. uh, and you can adjust. Um, and so the things that are done in therapy. Um, I had a, someone tell me they had a family member that went in and just threw a fit. He what he wouldn't do it because what does what good does it do to pick up that little block and move it? Mm-hmm. Because you can't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so therapies get your body moving, which will help your brain get reconnected as much as possible, and that's why you do it. And and so you're doing things when you were four or five years old, three, four, five years old. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the the sheets used to get in preschool. That's what they were giving me. Wow. I knew why, because I couldn't do it. Uh-huh. And I told them, I, I did this when I was four, <laughs> which means I can probably lean it. I can do it again. But it was hard. It's, mm-hmm. it, you know, but I was lucky because I was very comfortable there and it was not so everybody that helped me uh i took advantage of to say yes because i knew this is this is it so very especially in the hospital i had um very good good support from from 
from everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I did object one day. I don't know why. They change around your uh, therapy sessions, Mm -hmm. and I'm not going anywhere. And one day they changed it, and I went in my room, and I, I wouldn't go out. And they go, why? I go, I, you know, I don't know what I said that day. But they went and got the head nurse, and she goes, you got to go. I go, okay. <laughs> why should you do it for her? Because she's a, doc- she's a nurse. You always, I depend on her to get my food yeah. and everything else. So, um, but it's essential. So I thought in this day and age, mm-hmm. when you know so much about, we know how it all works, we really got to expand how we get the word out to people. Mm-hmm. Just like having babies. I had babies at the time when they involved parents. Mm-hmm. And you knew all about it. And it was like the golden age of having babies. Because 10 years, my son was born in 81. In the 60s, there was no fathers in the in the room or support people. The doctors said, you're going to have a baby, see you later. You know? And so wow. we know what difference it makes. When... Mm-hmm. Uh, people have gotten cancer. And somehow or other, one day, a, a couple of people started all the fundraisers for cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always been there. But they said, let's go 60 miles and walk to raise money. So you yeah. you said to people, I need $2,300. And you walk for 60 miles over three days because there's an added benefit for that. Before that, you... If you had cancer, that was it. Now, if yeah. you have cancer, somebody, and you lose your hair, friends will cut their hair, too. Yeah. So yeah. we do know that there, there's kind of that group think we have to do. And and I was, I could not find any books except the one by um, Alice Bolte Taylor, which had done a TED Talk, too. She was a neuroscientist and had a stroke. Hers was on the same side as mine. It was more extensive but it, i could relate to it i read it i watched it before i had the stroke uh-huh. because i was so intrigued by it and then afterwards to see where where i was uh, but you're if you think when you go in a hospital you have how many people are responsible for you from the time you walk in the door if if there was no other patient You've got emergency room all the way down to your in your room, and then you have all the people taking care of it. I, I'd have to go back and do the counting, but but Saint Saint Mary Hospital, which is where I worked, mm-hmm. but hospitals are set up. If you came into that hospital and you had a stroke, this is there's not a surprise. Do this, do this, do this. Mm-hmm. If uh, and how well you're doing. Is determined by what floor I go to. So it, I think at the time, and then Bruce Willis not too long ago, it was uh, they said he has aphasia because he has some issues going on. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And so okay. his family came out. Um, and I don't know all the extent of it because there's a lot of reasons why you might have aphasia. And Gabby Gifford, she's uh, the congresswoman who got shot. And uh, she her the brain damage she had mm-hmm. so she's done a uh, they've done a documentary on her to show what she had to do mm-hmm. and i think it's uh i think we know what works which we have group learning mm-hmm. but i think it's essential because my husband 
was lucky enough because I worked in hospitals and told him all my stories. He was in tune a little bit. But there were people that I knew that were very uncomfortable with it, which is is not a problem. But for me, I needed to move forward, and I needed uh, a group that says, okay, come on, let's go to therapy. And I, yeah. I always did, even though I was part, part of, I was fortunate to be able to be aware of what I was doing. And I always had a reaction uh, from the first day I, they got me in therapy and I had to stand up and then sit down. <laughs> I couldn't do that. I, yeah. I couldn't. And I was kind of like, okay. And I, I was very aware of how I get, did the next day. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is in therapy, um, I don't think I wrote this down. What you have to do in therapy is go in and you do your whatever they're doing, activity. And then tomorrow, they raise the stakes because that's how it works. So there's no like, da, no. Oh, they make it like more challenging? Yeah. Yeah. But I was fortunate to be okay with that. That did not uh, bother with me, bother me at mm-hmm. all uh, because I knew I had actually worked in that that room a few times. Oh, wow. So that's what I wanted to do um, because you cannot face a challenge of any kind by yourself. It's, it's not possible. Uh, I like in the book when you write I can't do that yet I like that saying a lot because yes currently you're in this situation but it's not if it's not if you're going to end up doing something it's just when so you give yourself that amount of time that hey I'm going to be able to do this at some point and you don't give up on it my friend Lucy French will be so happy because <laughs> she uh, is a physical therapist and she also does brain gym. And, you know, when you're doing I can't do that yet. Yeah. Put it on your shoes if you have to. Put it on your hands. Because it's it's really easy to say I can't. Yeah. And right now I can't. But you won't be able to do it tomorrow if you don't, you know, yeah. t- try a little bit. And there's there are there really aren't ending points. And I was fortunate. That the doc, or, um, the therapist told me, keep going. So I have, because there's a little, I need to be tweaked a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if you just stay at home, you're really not going to not, not do well. Oh, yeah. And so, because you can't improve, even though it may not look like it, but it is. Mm-hmm. And, and it can certainly get much worse. That's for sure. Oh, if you, like, don't do anything? Yeah. 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 I could see that. Wow. Now, now, earlier you had mentioned, like, the specific location um, where the he- – was it a hemorrhage that happened? Yeah, which is a bleed. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, um, yes. And then there's clots. Those are the two main. Okay. And this had all happened – this was – I know you referenced the date multiple times, January 27th, yeah. 2015. So this, we're in 2022 right now. So this, I mean, it's not that long ago, really. Um, and you seem like amazing 
right now, I couldn't, I honestly, I wouldn't even be able to tell that you had one. I mean, it seems like you worked really, really hard uh, in your therapy sessions to to just build back from it. Um, do you still today, do you still have to do like the certain exercises that you did in therapy and like just keep up with it? Yeah, it's funny because when I go to put the silverware away, mm-hmm. I, I'm i always thinking activities of daily living, which ADL, that's oh, yeah. what OTs do. I've heard ADL. of that. Yep. Uh, I use every little, if I'm doing anything in the kitchen, everything, or every, every activity. Uh, but I have what's called um, neuropathy on my on my right side about, if you look at your nose, that's halfway but mm-hmm. to about here. So uh, there's always, so I, I, there is a medication I've been fortunate is, uh, it's not that high a dose. I can, I can go more if I want. So I use, Mm -hmm. is it painful or irritating? I take irritating, Mm -hmm. but using this, uh, um, my right side is not trustworthy. I'm just going to tell you that. So um, you have, it's more than just exercise. It's awareness. Uh And I, it's not you forget, mm-hmm. and that's the point. Um, but you know, I've taken falls, and I have to be really careful because I the ones I had lately. Um, I don't know if I can explain it. If something's perceived on my right side because it's coming from the left side of the brain, and I follow that, I'm going to be in trouble because. I, the woman fall ahead. This is a. I stepped on a flower with my heel, and so my right side goes, and I went down because there's no survival skills on my right side. My left side will go. Okay, gather all your people, get those muscles. It's the right side's my hippie side, really <laughs> cool. And then I had one not too long after that where I. I was putting groceries in my car, and out of the corner of my eye, there was a cart coming uh, towards the car. Okay. And all of a sudden, I went for it, and I wasn't didn't know what body parts to move, and I went went down. So luckily, I was mm-hmm. going to PT or OT that at that time. So she got the PT over, uh-huh. and we we were discussing. What happened? Break it down. Because if I had told the doctor, he would give me a walker. That's not what happens. Mm-hmm. That That is definitely not happens because I would have probably be tangled up in that walker. But to find out, anticipate what that was. So what it meant is I have to pay close attention. Mm-hmm. And also that means I have to, I do a lot of looking at the ground or you can do vision scanning. Mm-hmm. And, and there are those kind of things that I, I know that they're in my uh, my kit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but things like that that are, I think, it, for anybody getting older, there is some changes in your brain. So, uh, anyway, yeah, that was. I was lucky. I was in therapy at the time, so I had like this confab about we broke it down, and I've been for me to be able to be part of the conversation rather than just them guess. Mm-hmm. So I, they got, I, I was in therapy, but then I got an extra 20, 30 minute appointment. That's, that's like golden. Wow. 
and to be able to articulate what those things are and mm. understand that most people, you know, that's not their that's not their experience. So how do they explain it? And that's where your medical people, they need to listen. Mm-hmm. or And also bring in your uh, partners or your family so they can say what they see mm-hmm. because you can't do it all. So you always want to have a posse yeah. for for everything that you need. Oh, I, I just finished a book uh, called The One Thing, and I put it up on the the channel. Um, it's by Gary Keller, who... Yeah, I, I saw... Yeah, I just started that. Did you? Oh, it's, it's a great book. And he talks about in there, yeah, you can't can't do it alone. He, he names some examples of people, like very successful people who... It's not just like your one thing, but it's also there's most of the time like one person that's helping this other person on their one thing. Mm-hmm. And he, he named like certain examples of partnerships like um, Apple and like Steve Jobs had Wozniak or, you know, Gates had, um, uh, I forget his name, not Balmer, but. Oh, yeah, I don't remember. Yes. Yeah. So it, you're totally right. It's it's so hard to do things like by yourself. It does take like a support group mm-hmm. with whatever you're trying to achieve in life. Um, it's going to take people, maybe not that they would be physically hands-on, but just going up to, or having somebody you can go up to that you could pick their brain. Hey, what do you think mm-hmm. about this idea? Or how do you think about the way I'm doing this? And then you get little insights from them that help you along your way to, in the case of that book's example, your one thing mm-hmm. that you're working on. Um, but definitely in in a situation like a medical situation, you know, in, in rehab or therapy, it's not just you, it's your therapists are there. The mm-hmm. I was a rehab tech actually at oh, um at the Northville Health Center for oh, yeah? U of M. So I I would help out the therapist with stuff. So I would help out with patients. So it's it's the therapist, it's the techs, it's you've it, seen it all. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had a OT there too, um, hand therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really cool. That was very interesting to see the exercises that they would have them do. Um, Super important, too, because your hand is so complicated. When you kind of think about, like, you're just your opposable thumb being able to do this. And, you know, we're the only ones that kind of have that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, therapy was, that was a cool job. Um, I do kind of miss it. And just being on my feet all the time mm-hmm. and getting to meet so many different people. Uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And it was very rewarding when you would see somebody slowly get better like every time they came in. Um, well, that's, yeah. uh, that's a good, that's one of those things when, in your experiences that you'll you know, go back on when, when not expected. Mm-hmm. You may never go back to that profession exactly, but uh, it may take you in that area. Mm-hmm. And really, um, 
working in the health field. At one time, Michigan, during our heyday, they had automobile workers and, you know, manufacturing was really really entailed. Mm -hmm. And then you had a lot of people in the healthcare field. Well, our world has changed quite a bit. Uh, And so uh, the opportunity, it's all a lot different, which is unfortunate. It wasn't our our resources are not channeled into it in a different way mm-hmm. because I don't know how you justify the money it costs. That's, you know, these people oh, are yeah. working people, uh, the therapists and everything, like the people, everybody we know. So they should be paid a fair way, wage and figure out how to. But to get to those mm-hmm. therapists, there's a whole infrastructure that you have to pay for. Yeah. Um, but the therapists don't get that money. You know, yeah. just our our how we pay do healthcare is uh, very very unfortunate, mm-hmm. and, and I've just been lucky that I can participate. And I know when I would visit anybody in the hospital at St. Mary's, this was long before HIPAA got kicked in, but I always wear my name tag. <laughs> so if I want to go to the ward, if it wasn't visiting hours, I got my name tag. Yeah, <laughs> I always felt I'm official. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I I used to work at Northfield State Hospital, which is a psychiatric institute. It's a building that's on seven miles coming down eventually, I guess. I I live uh, right next to there. Oh, so you know what? Tell me when they're taking the rest of it down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wherever I was in the hospital, I had my name tag because if you don't have your name tag, you're a patient. Mm -hmm. So, and I always had the key because I had the key from a master key. You may wow. not think much of that now, but in Saint, in uh, Norville, you're always between two locked doors, <laughs> <laughs> and they're not. You have to have a key both sides. Say, hey, I I got the key, my name badge. Yeah. Trust me, I work here. No, I, <laughs> you don't have to say trust. Well, you, you just there's yeah. a reason you do that. Yeah. When you worked at, because you you said and you wrote about you worked at St. Mary's too. Yeah. And when you worked there, you were a nurse, was it? No, I was, uh, uh, I used my occupational therapy for health education. So I was in uh, the Women's Center, and I got the opportunity early on to uh, teach childbirth classes, prepare childbirth classes. Mm -hmm. I had started doing that some years before. We moved back to, we were from Michigan, but we lived in Colorado, moved back to Michigan. Mm -hmm. And I started working with a little group and then eventually went to St. Mary's. And when I got hired, my boss said, you want to do, do you want to teach menopause classes? And I was about 42. I go, heck yeah. <laughs> so I did my homework and it was a support group. It was great. We met once a month. It was, there's no charge. And I taught that for, I think, 19 or 20 years. And in the meantime, if there was a, I said, you want to do some parenting classes? So we put something together. Some At, at St. Mary's, even today, some of their stuff is, for, no, there's no charge. Mm-hmm. And the other is uh, they, uh, small small fee. Mm-hmm. So the, they reached out to the community. And then I did, uh, I'd fill in for breast cancer support group. I would, uh, oh, we'd have tourists come in. They were touring the maternity center. So it's like, and I love that. Mm-hmm. And all we had is my other one was siblings. They're going to have a little baby brother or sister. So it's it's all yeah. always taking, grabbing the information you need. But 
my role was all the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, impart information in a non-threatening way. And be, be, the one thing you have to do is you really, really have to watch the people. What impact are you having on them? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if I went with my friends who work in hospitals, you know, our, our conversation is much different than, because there, there you tell all your stories. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to do that to people. So uh, to be uh, caring, and my job, I don't know everything. My job is to open the door so they feel safe to go to the next person. And I was mm-hmm. happy because when, when I was in there, that's what the people did for me. And, you know, we're at a different spectrum of the workforce. So people go, oh, you know, what, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. But I, my pride was that I could tell you what to do if you had a Charlie horse. Because, <laughs> believe me, if you're pregnant, you get a lot of those. Really? And if you yeah. tell the truth about that, then maybe you also know about this. Yeah. You have to be. And the one thing I started doing after I'd been teaching a long time, I didn't always like taking my kids to the store because if I, you know, was yelling at them or something, I know I'd run into somebody. And so somebody said, well, why don't you just not yell at them? I go, oh, I I can do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good idea. I can just, but sometimes it's really hard. Yeah, I I can imagine. Um, When, when you, when you had, when did you uh, stop working at the hospital? Was it after you had your no, stroke? No, I had probably about six months. Um, I had been there a long time, and you know when I said, I've done it. Mm-hmm. And then I also was working as, a, I opened a business as a massage therapist several years before. Oh, cool. About okay. seven, eight years. Spe- specifically, I wanted to work with people with special needs mm-hmm. or... Um, the stuff that women go through in particular, it's these little things. So that was what I did. And that stopped the day I had the stroke. I had a, wow. Our business was on uh, Main Street next to Dairy King. Oh, What okay. a great place. And I worked, yeah. we had, there's, there were several of us. And uh, so that was my take on, I was continuing. And that, that, so it's funny, I, I didn't think I'd quit and finally go, you know, I've done it. Uh-huh. You know, th- this is all good, but this is what I'm doing now. Because I was very happy, uh, and I had my bosses were whatever we wanted to do. I could set up my work schedules to go with my kids' schedules, and mm-hmm. it was a it was a great place and have those experiences. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, you run into people out and about. One of my neighbors moved in, and you oh, you know, cool. I go. I hope it was okay. Oh, yeah, you were great. Okay. <laughs> oh, with the massage. Yeah. Or, you know, when I was yeah. teaching, uh, their their daughter was in sibling class, and I said, oh, I hope what I told you was useful. And they go, yeah, it really helped. So what you have to realize, if you give people even one uh, piece of information or ideas, they go, it extends to everything. Because mm-hmm. I didn't tell them that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you didn't. But I didn't lie, and I didn't make it up. And I'd always say, "This, this, this." But check with your physician, or uh, because I don't know everything. Uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot, but 
but I don't have one. And I think I'm a doctor, but I'm not. But but anyway. I I uh I feel like sometimes I think I'm a doctor because I will search the internet for things that I'm experiencing and just go, Oh yeah, I think I have yeah. this. <laughs> but oftentimes I actually have a few friends who are doctors now and they're super cool that I can just kind of call them out of the blue or uh, text them, what have you, and just ask them, hey, what, have you ever seen this before? Mm-hmm. And have them kind of calm me down. Oh, yeah, it's you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> those texts is, is better than those phone calls and then even emails. This is, this is a great uh, way to open the door. I have the portal for the hospital systems mm. now is perfect. I have a... Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's so efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, well, and when you have something that you're wondering about, they're listening to this, because I don't think any of your friends would want to say, oh, it's nothing, and then have it be something. Th- that's true. They've actually told me, oh, it's it's probably nothing, but check yeah. with your primary care. That's actually more what they say. Yeah, oh, yeah. always. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. Um, it's you're, you're t- explain to somebody one, two, three, and always check with your physician or whoever. Mm-hmm. They'll always come back and say, you were right. I just told you about four things. <laughs> and that wasn't that I was right about specifics. It's that I sat there and listened. And that there's, that's what we all have to do is pay attention. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if when you walk in a hospital with whatever you're having, it can be that you're going in for an x-ray. Um, when, when I was working evenings, I'd always say, how are you doing? Do you need any help? Because we're the first pe- person that you see mm-hmm. when you walk in the hospital. We're the first person that we, we treat people. Uh, and we want them to say, I can go another 10 feet or bit. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, uh, you know, you get pretty good at knowing what people, what's going on with them. Are they lost? Are they... Uh, worried, obviously. If anybody's come in the hospital, it's a, cu- a couple or a family, and they're coming into the hospital at nine o'clock at night to see somebody in the hospital. Mm-hmm. None of the offices are open. Do Do you think, in like comparing to when you were working to today's time uh, in the hospital? Do you think with just how pervasive technology has been as far as, you know, now we can, most of the time people text me versus calling me. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my conversations with like my core group of friends happen on, we use WhatsApp, instant mm-hmm. messenger, and we have a group chat on there. And do you think that that non-physical like interaction has affected people's inner like in-person reactions in like in the hospital setting like with just the customer service aspect hey how are you doing uh how can i help you do you think was it better or a different way back when you were working versus what you see today i think what happened was when the pandemic hit i you're right it was Things are changing. Mm-hmm. But when the pandemic hit, it's all over. Mm-hmm. So then you have to, people are creating new ways to 
uh, like therapists, uh, so, uh, social workers, that kind of thing. Uh, I think some of that has changed for okay because you can get psychological help now. Oh, yeah. Person to person. And I think your age group is used to doing this, so it's not a big difference. Mm-hmm. You still need to go in for therapy. Being in there for that period of time was, I couldn't have got home. Um, yeah. And, and so if you take that two year or the year and a half that we had where people were alone. Yeah. That is something that will be like the uh, talk, talking about the Depression, the Great War forever that part of our life yeah those things that happen uh but and i think not putting the medical people the getting their dues when you watch the news when they these medical people are just you know putting bags over their head or over their clothes Mm -hmm. uh and they didn't have all the gloves and stuff oh yeah uh that was Horrors, mm-hmm. just and being alone where your family couldn't see you that, that mm-hmm. was um or you trying my mother-in-law passed away last year and they she was just in an independence village but okay. they still yeah. were so they started doing oh she was in a rehab center and they uh got a zoom call mm-hmm. she's hard of hearing she's 90 years and 98 years old she can't see very much yeah. that for somebody like that they lost people so i think for all the people who lost that human touch but delivering services i think we can easily keep doing this i mean i yeah. i had to i don't know what i had to do uh i was having a, a zoom call <laughs> that's cool yeah uh and i don't know i've and i've gone to therapists before like social workers and I was there. Uh, I it wasn't a problem for me uh, to switch, but I don't know how. You'd have to ask other people what their thoughts were. Yeah. But I think it's certainly been a lifesaver. And I know for the, you know, when I, the doctors, a lot of times I do video call, or Zoom calls. Yeah. It's uh, it, it actually has uh, been pretty well if you're. Uh, but there, there, there are downsides too. But for the most part, I think it it helps us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people, for instance, all your doctors stuff, they can communicate in a quicker way. They can have their, uh, they, a lot of them have their assistants to answer your questions, and then they review mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I think for them, because you know, think of how few people you can see when you go into the doctor, not yeah. a lot, and they're, you know, so, but. I think it was a slam when we stopped having we couldn't see each other. Yeah. That's that was a tough time. And we'll all we all have memories of that for forever. Oh yeah. But oh, yeah. the other part of it is uh you know to be determined. I don't know if uh but I think having the ability to communicate face to face. But of course when I had my stroke I couldn't operate my computer. Mhm. Mm-hmm. It, it took a lot of, a lot of learning. In fact, I usually, I think I still have my Zoom, my camera on. I always forget to turn. My <laughs> and it, and I could not, because yeah. uh, I'm right-handed. Those first five months, luckily for Steve Jobs, 
I could communicate. I couldn't remember. There's so much I couldn't do on my computer. You know, you want to hit shift. What does it do? It took a long time. And I could only use my left hand for quite a bit of time. And I still use it for my mouse. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, but I would not, not have had some interactions with people in quite the same. Mm-hmm. And then... Mm-hmm. I don't think we had FaceTime then. We didn't have Zoom at that time. But mm-hmm. uh, being able to communicate with somebody is always is yeah. always good. But I I just the phone would ring and I I couldn't couldn't answer it. And so the one change that I've noticed forever is the automatic. You know, go 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 go. I can yeah. do that. I can I can juggle all this stuff and now. It's not automatic. And, and I, that's fine. But once in a while, I really miss it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where you get up to go out the door in the morning, get all your stuff, and then you come home and you, yeah, now I have, to, I, now I double check, triple check. I got my my phone with my to-do things and on the PC, I put that there, but I, I don't have the confidence to not check it. Mm-hmm. Because I think I, I mentioned, I never want to miss a hair appointment. Because <laughs> oh, we've been yeah. friends for 30, 35 years or something. Speaking of that, um, what I, I wanted to ask you, what was the biggest things that were affected after having your stroke? It, like you said, it was mainly your, it was your right side that was, it was very hard to use your right side and... Yeah. Um, was speech affected? Speech um, it was not only speaking but understanding, and mm-hmm. that's still an issue. Not uh, So I have to, my circle of people have to know that, my husband said, but you said. I go, well, I was wrong. This is what <laughs> I meant. I just used it wrong. It doesn't bother me. But I will tell you that that bothers a lot of people, mm-hmm. and it makes them feel... Uh, inadequate mm. it doesn't bother me mm-hmm. uh, and so I kind of like put it back on you what if I say it wrong my my girlfriend though told my husband yeah she's always done that so <laughs> it was part of the uh, but that part the thinking part processing information but also being able to maneuver how how I work this right side mm-hmm um and and be aware of it so there was really and but all the thinking part had to come come back yeah uh i think i mentioned too that if you have a stroke on the left side if i'm not looking at my right side it doesn't work it doesn't exist i mean and so if i'm holding a spoon i'll look it's it's just automatic Uh uh-huh so and then that's why they have things like that OTs are wonderful. They have all these little things that, like adaptive spoons and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I've seen those. Yep. Yeah. That, that's their. And when you see this, oh, this is stupid. Yeah, until you need it. <laughs> yeah. And then my taste buds uh, took probably six, six to eighteen months. Wow. To come back, and even now, um, it's it's a little different. Really. So, yeah. I thought oh. that I. So that if you th- think how you eat but being able to um because the first i don't know couple weeks i 
I wasn't allowed food. I was drinking or whatever. Um, and then chewing, I couldn't cut. I couldn't cut my food for quite a long time, seven, eight months. Oh, wow. Or maybe, I'm sorry, not that long, but long time. Yeah. And just using it, it, it and what happens is you're really in a, you're in your own la-la land because this is where I'm at. Yesterday I got up, I made dinner, we get, we we ate, we did this. I'm only here. It's, yeah. And so those kind of where you're at, it was very insulated, which is your body can't be processing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And what am I supposed to be doing now? So that was the... Um, but but even the thinking things now, um, you know, I don't have the trust. I check, double check, double check. Yeah. And like I said, my husband said, but you said, I go, <laughs> so what? I was thinking of this word. Yeah. You should know that. <laughs> I had a stroke. You didn't. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> you should have like this get out of jail. Hey. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Get out of jail free card. <laughs> but But also where that place is. Is with people you're not around as much. Even today, if something does make sense, just say so. Um, they're sometimes to protect you. They don't want to tell you. Like I said, it doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. You know, yeah. we are human. But I bet you I made mistakes before, and I bet you made mistakes before. Oh yeah. So 100%. and and driving, I you know I really just drive from here to downtown Plymouth. Sometimes I go to Canton to my uh, doctor's office, and other than that, I don't drive. Oh, I drove to the grocery store, but okay. I had to practice those trips quite a lot. Oh, okay. And uh, I don't think I've ever driven with somebody in the car. You know, when you're a teenager and you get your license, you can't have anybody else else in the car. Yeah, that's a good idea <laughs> because I'm telling you, I can do one thing, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't want to have an accident or because so I follow all the the rules and. Yeah. But I have to be careful when I plunk up that phone or radio. Get it the channel you want and then leave it. Don't be playing with it. All those things as a young driver, that's what I am. I'm like a 15-year-old driver. <laughs> I wouldn't give you my car either. So. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And where uh. people... Um, when uh, a person in your family or in your circle has something happen, you can only judge by what you see. And a lot of what uh, I was seeing, or I was going on with me, you couldn't be seen. You have Parkinson's, so there are visual, uh, there are tremors that you can see. Yeah. So that's where you, you go. Oh, I'm I'm listening to them. They've got something. Mine, I don't have that mm-hmm. for the for the most part. That that reminds me of a book in a movie, uh, Awakenings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin Williams was in it, um, and it's funny. I th- you referenced the uh, Oliver Sacks yeah. book. Um, I forget what the name. The man who mistook his wife for a hat. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I, I haven't read that book, but I remember the movie, and that was about Parkinson's, I believe. Yeah, it was. Um- and soft, uh, what was it? I'm just facing the name. Encephalitis. Encephalitis. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it was that took place, and 
uh, in, oh, shoot, when was it? Early 1900s. But he, oh, wow. but interesting thing about Oliver Sacks, he is an, a, a neuro, he passed away, he is a neuro psychologist. And that's one of the places he first started working. And he is, the character, the way he's portrayed in the movie is the way Oliver Sacks uh, mm -hmm. Act. He had all these quirks, mm -hmm. and so he's done. He's done a great story, great job of telling these little stories. Because, so when I was first started out, I read everything and I that I could on him because it, it's about looking at things a different way. Mm -hmm. For instance, you're looking at somebody with Parkinson's. Would go over here. It's like your camera. Look over mm -hmm. here. Look over here, and take a bunch of. Um, Go outside and take a bunch of pictures of trees up and down, and then look at them. How different they all are! So I—that was how I tried to always whatever I was doing, using that method. Mm -hmm. But my book in the Plymouth Library is right near Oliver and oh, wow. Alice Bolte Taylor. I think, yeah. I was so thrilled because <laughs> if they were put in the like biography session, eh. I'd be next to Madonna, <laughs> but uh, here I was, uh, Oliver Sacks, and I was so excited because that was how my brain was working. So he's he's done a tremendous amount of work on um, all different kinds of things, a different way to to look at look mm -hmm. at it. And Jill Taylor, that's what she was doing from inside, but also she's a neurologist, so she knows this stuff. And how can that happen? Uh, and I, I think it's, I think there are doctors who have an affinity for working with some group. Uh, I think a cardiologist loves to have that heart in their hand because they're always trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think you want to have a doctor or a medical people who really, their brains always, <laughs> they're listening to you and go, but I know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Deborah, I just I wanted to ask you just a couple more questions, and then we'll we'll wrap things up. Um, what's the, what do you think would be like the biggest thing you'd like people to know about strokes that maybe they don't know? Like something that would help them just to become more aware of what somebody's going through or how to recognize it. Uh, Etc. What do you, what would you say is like the biggest thing some people should be aware of? Well, one, as I told you, it's common. Mm -hmm. It's one of the heart and cardiovascular, the brain and the heart are the two big ones. How much we don't know, but I wish um, I was thinking it would be nice to do a class like for the caregivers and people who have had a stroke, uh, like we used to do for childbirth classes. Uh, because I think the caregivers have such a tough time, and they have their limits too. But the thing I, I I'd like people to know is this is not the end. Uh, well, yes, it is sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. But to not be so uh, as a it's not their doctor, but you're their family member. Mm -hmm. 
you only have to give them kindness and caring and sit by their side. So my interest right now is also going to, from the person with stroke, automatically to the caregiver. And they need, caregivers need a lot too. So, yeah, you, as a, if I were working in the hospital, I'm there under whatever I'm supposed to be doing. You hear whatever you're doing is, um, I give, if you had an issue that you were dealing with, to listen with kindness and caring. Open the door for you to be able to tell. And I wish people knew how fascinating this stuff is. Mm-hmm. It is not, it is scary what happens to you. Uh, diabetes is terrible if it happens to you, but it is such an interesting disease. Yeah. And, um, and the brain, it's, I will not see in my lifetime all that we can figure out. But we, you know, you can hold a person's heart in your hand. And you can even put it back. But we don't do that with, we don't even know how the brain works. We don't, we think we know some of it. Right. Uh, and we're getting better from just like the practical standpoint. But I would always like people to know that if you run into a person with whatever they are, stop and sit by their side. And that's, uh, you can't do more than that. Mm-hmm. Call 911, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Always. And I have, and even still am, really good in those first first couple minutes. Mm-hmm. And I, I am really calm, and even with my kids. And then afterwards, you, you know, if it's your kids, oh, you fall apart. Yeah. And that's where David Letterman came in. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to I I would like people to be uh, more interested in 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 health in health. It, but you know we can all I I've been around a, pe- a lot of people who are going through things, and the best thing I can do is you know sit here hold your hand. It's not not much else, but it's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. And caregivers a lot of times are trying to cure. They want to make everything better. That's not. You only got today and then yeah. tomorrow. That's a very powerful message. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Deborah, for people who want to get the book, read the book, is the best way to go about that Amazon or your – you have a website too, yep. right? Um is one better than the other? Would you rather them go through the website or whatever? Yeah. It depends on if they want it now. You uh, Amazon. I yeah. always have a few, few um, what you call it, uh, books, and then yeah, it's always on my web page. And a couple people in town in Northville have put my book out. One's That's at Maggie cool. and me, and one's at Bodie's, and one's at uh, Mod Market. Oh, cool! Because you know. It was just so. Or you can go to the library too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm real good about how can I get your book? I can send it to you really, really quick. Mm -hmm. I used to work in the library in in high school, so. But I've always loved, loved uh, um, libraries and. Mm -hmm. You have quite an extensive book collection behind you. 
Well, that is awesome. my grandpa, we bu- we bought this house. This was a greenhouse. That was his house. So I have all his stuff. <laughs> but now I have to figure out a way that my kids don't inherit what they don't want. <laughs> so, but, you know, they can just pile them up, take, take them to the library. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. my grandfather had a lot of books, and he he was born in 1897, wow. which is real uh, odd. And his father was a musician, and he had a lot. And so um, I I used to take things from the house, but I always said he said if you don't want it, bring it back. That was mm-hmm. so I just moved in, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that Anne Frank, uh, that's a, the whole magazine from 1900 1954. Wow! And I I have probably at least a hundred Life magazines from the 50s, and his name tag is on there. And on a lot of them, he'd write down what what story he was reading because he was a farmer, so he'd come in. and So I, I don't have the heart to throw those away, but somebody can throw them away. When I'm dead, <laughs> throw them away. Do what you want with it. If I find a way to take them to heaven with me, I'll, I'll have them. <laughs> uh, but wow. Yeah. Well, that that's awesome. Wow, 1897. Jeez. And to be that, well, and... I'll show you when we go in there. He has a, a he bought a uh, organ, 1939. It's got full keyboards and everything, and it was a aeolian, which blows air through it. So like a player organ, player piano. Mm-hmm. This is different. It's all electronic. And he had about, I think I have about 75 of those rolls. Wow. So you think in this, a farmer, he lived out here. He moved from Detroit, and he was still books. Uh, he didn't, and he had a lot of technical books. He, he was an electrician. Just he knew how to. I don't know how he learned to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, uh, that's what I inherited was just that love to have this stuff around. And uh, the kids would be doing something in school, so we go to the brown bag or uh, bag day and buy a whole bag of books on yeah. dinosaurs or whatever they were studying. So you, then you take them back. But I can't. I asked one of my sons. How much stuff do I have to get rid of so that when I die, I'm not a burden? He goes, I like your stuff. I go, okay, I'm done. <laughs> you know, you can pay people. See, you know, there are paid people that will take care of this stuff for you. Yeah. But don't stand around and complain about it. That's not nice. <laughs> you know, uh, really quick, the I like asking this question to people. Or like with my friends, I've asked what time... if. Your age right now, if you could go back to a certain time period, what would it be? Like in your in your current body, current age. And I for me, there's two. One of them is this like kind of it might have been the eighteen nineties, eighteen eighties, like industrial revolution mm-hmm. time period. That's one of them. And then the other one is nineteen uh, sixties. Because I just love the look that mm. guys wore of mm-hmm. like a suit and a thin black tie and a, a fedora. Basically kind of the look that JFK had. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's super cool. That's what I would, I would love to live in a time period like that and wear those type of clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or well, the 1890s too. So that, that's interesting about the 1890s because you're right. That was a, the kind of time... Uh, so I grew up where the expressway is and mm-hmm. all the 
uh, he had a greenhouse. He had a 51-foot reservoir, which they used to irrigate. So wow. I would like to go, if I could go back to when I was growing up. Yeah. Uh, because also, that was a time you didn't watch your children. You just go out. Get out. <laughs> That's so, what my parents said, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure things did happen, but um, <laughs> the biggest things is you didn't have so many cars on the road. That was, but that, and, and I think, uh, so that was, because I'm still there. Luckily, uh, my brother and I, uh, and my other brother, uh, we have good memories, because I didn't leave here until I was 14, 15, mm-hmm. when the road went through. Uh, but that, I had the whole, I had 30 acres. Mm-hmm. And I could do anything I want all day. And yeah. then uh, I go next door to my grandparents, and I just went through their house all the time because they didn't care. Yeah. Uh, nobody, nobody asked a kid at that time, "Are you happy?" <laughs> <laughs> this is, that's not important. Uh, so yeah. that, and then the Beatles, because speaking of JFK, when you have, uh, if if you ever watched the Mad Men. That's oh, yeah. the cutting point for me. So I was uh, born in 51. So I was okay. more of the Beatles age. At yeah. the beginning of the 60s, that was women, the way we people dressed, and uh, the whole world was different just in that little time, uh-huh. soon after uh, JFK uh, passed away. Uh-huh. Uh, and I had the Beatles. <laughs> and I and our, we had our principal at church. There was an anniversary or principal at my school. I had the same three teachers: one for first, second, and third grade; one for fourth, fifth; mm-hmm. one for sixth, seventh, and eighth. And then the the music teacher. My music teacher went to church. I went to St. Peter's in Plymouth. I mean, up to the time I went to public school at ninth grade, this was my life. I, it was just, but. The the Beatles, of course. So, well, the, <laughs> the Beatles, Beatles. go and see Hard Day's Night and help. I, I mean, that was like we were out of our minds. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was just telling people that. But when we had this, uh, what you call it, this uh, anniversary, he was my sixth, seventh, or eighth grade teacher, and he named several of us that once the Beatle came, we never thought again. Yes. <laughs> But then there's the flip side. I wanted to play baseball, and girls can't play baseball. So that was – so yeah. I, I think that the – especially now that we can revisit all the music, and it's at our fingertips. Yeah. For somebody like me, my age group, we had that – that music was on. We had our transistor radio. We didn't have, uh, you know – it wasn't like you could plug it in and recharge it. Yeah. So it's sort of like having a playlist your whole life. And then for me as a woman, all the things they said I couldn't do. I, I couldn't have a credit card. So oh, wow. I was about 23, and there was a woman's store called Winkleman's, and they gave women the credit cards. That was it. Wow. Yeah, wow. Don't get me started. Yeah. All the things. That... <laughs> and, and, of course, now... Everybody's We're kind of trying to wait that people can have what they want anyway. But <clears throat> yeah, so those I think those two times they were a little yeah. bit different. The the first time you didn't hang out with your friends, and I had to be driven to friends' house, even though, or I'd ride my bike where I ride my bike now mm-hmm. to get to the same place. But that was about 
me and just whatever I wanted to do. And then at 13, 12, 13, 14, then it's your friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in Plymouth, think about this. There wasn't really no Canton. There was, this is a township, but there weren't that many people. And so we, would, we could go from the high school, what was high school, and then you went down to what on uh, Main Street and Ann Arbor Road. We thought we were running. We were right there. Yeah. And the, the school had open lunch, so we would go out for lunch. We had to go back because everybody knew school started. Yeah. Go back to school. So we had like a, a we had freedom, but there's always somebody there. Yeah. yeah. And, and I didn't do much bad because my grandmother would say, "Are you?" St- You'd be so offended about it. <laughs> and then I've been able to bring my ba- my grandson back mm-hmm. to walk where I walked. Wow. And that's that's been that's been to watch him. The other day he was uh it was the first time he wanted to walk out there. Mm-hmm. And then he was um oh fireflies. He knew how to do it. And I go, Oh man. So I'm having like these flashbacks. But my that's what my grandmother did. Mm-hmm. My, my, and they didn't really do a lot. There was no micromanaging. It's just, we uh, we kind of lived in each other's world. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I mentioned in the book, my grandmothers both had. So watching what my grandmothers had gone through at different times when our medical care was not as good. My grandmother, they had a, uh, they had a truck. I, I don't think she had a chair. She was just sitting on so no. Mm-hmm. seatbelts and they had a pothole and um, she fractured her leg oh. and so back in the day when they gave you they didn't care how it looked afterwards and I think she was missing about three inches and the pain oh, yeah. uh, and my other grandmother too I, I appreciate watching what they went through mm-hmm. and I broke my leg and they bring everything into me but my grandmother, she, you just put them in a bed and you stayed there for six weeks. You didn't get up to do any therapy. And mm-hmm. it certainly was horrible to see it, the impact it had on life. Yeah. But um, I, I remember, learned a lot. Yeah. You wrote about that, I mm-hmm. remember. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I learned that one. And the reason I was able to apply it now is because I've always applied it when I was especially working with a lot of women, women's issues. Wow. Just mm-hmm. uh, so I was, that's why I know them. What two of them lived where the expressway went through, and then they moved up here with that little house. And my other ones lived in Plymouth, so they're always there. Mm-hmm. Wow, Deborah, this has been a tremendous conversation. I mm-hmm. thank you so yeah. much. For, well, thanks for asking. Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you for writing this book too. Um, I learned a lot from it, uh, just about what, what you went through, what Mm -hmm. people go through, uh, when they have a stroke. Um, and I had no idea about how common it can be. And I hope when people pick it up and read it, I hope they get the same benefit that I got from it. Um, so thank you for writing it. Thank you for welcoming in, welcoming me into your home to do this. Um, and I will put 
in the description of the video, I'll put a link to your website. Okay, great. If people want to go check that out, a link to the, I'll put the Amazon link on there mm -hmm. too. And yeah, no, Deborah, thanks again. Oh, thank you. It was uh, very nice. And uh, what, what's been interesting about this process is that if you're, I've always been a writer, and then you take the pages and you, you know, throw them in the door. And working with nonprofits, mm -hmm. um, I was able to get the message out. And so I knew what to do with the book, but it's a, a little bit different. So I had to get, use different muscles to, you know, be reaching out and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and what my message will be. I mean, if you write a book and you self-publish, the question that, you, who knows how many you sell? I mean, I have a log that that is not the uh, that's really not the goal you better have or your only goal you can obviously i would like to sell it because i want to get it out and um but what is your other reason for doing it whatever a friend of mine is self publishing through book baby like i did okay and he's saying well i don't know if i want to spend the money and they had just been on a trip i go what do you spend money on now? This is just something for you. Uh, mine, I wanted to be on my bookshelves. And I wanted, because if I were to write letters to my kids, they're not going to read it. So maybe if it's a book, maybe they will. I don't know. I haven't asked them. Some have, some haven't. Yeah. I don't want to. It's like asking somebody, do I look fat? No, <laughs> never ask the, ask the question that... Uh, you sure don't want. Once in a while, you go to slip, but no. <laughs> That's always the loaded question. Honey, does this dress make me look fat? It's like, no, of course not. No. <laughs> but no. You, when you ask your kids if they read your book, remember, don't, don't ask them. <laughs> don't. It'll be such a sad day for everybody if you, you go to do that. So uh, as a lover of books... When I got the books and I see in the library, that, that's already, that's big time for me. Yeah. And then like when you read it, that's, I'm at the point where in my life where I've got a drawer full of stuff I need to put in order. I have like between now and 80 uh, and to finish those things and that I wanted to say. But going back to my kids, I can say to them, you know why I didn't do this before? Because I was busy taking care of you. Happily, yeah. But there are only so many of the days in the the week, and mothers say they're we take care of you, and I and you've all. By the way, you've all done really well. And now they're all three married. I got one grandson. Okay, but uh, and I, I there were things I wanted to say, and it was really I had wanted to write about my grandparents, but I could not come up with. Um, how do you do that from beginning to end? So I. Yeah started a writing class at the library and I found I could do like one to four page essays on them and I thought that was and then that when I was working on this book mm -hmm. um, how they fit in there because believe me they did I I am if you cut me in four quarters you, it's my grandparents <laughs> and now they're not here I can say everything they said and get credit for it <laughs> you know <laughs> and they they were all really and they all lived to an uh, older age my youngest son or my oldest son they died my grandmother's died the year after he was born wow so he, i was able wow. to introduce them wow 
but um that's awesome i and i so i have old pe older people in mind and so the next in fact i'm going to give you i wrote a little story it's just a little uh essay about my grandmother had dementia and she lived in this house then so i wrote about that and that that kind of crystallizes what i want to go uh you asked about the message that's <laughs> it uh because what do people see when you have dementia? They're so distraught. My husband's uncle um, had dementia. Mm -hmm. And my husband always laments the fact that he was such a smart man. But I, I would like to take that one step farther. There's still the human being inside. Yeah. And to have, obviously, it's not that simple, but... For me, it was, um, and when we when we go in there, I'll show you. We had my grandmother lived in this house for the last three years of her life because back then my grandfather didn't want to put her in the nursing home; they weren't like they are now. Mm -hmm. So he took care of her, and I guess the doctor she he got visiting nurses. I don't know. I know he didn't pay for any of that stuff. Um, maybe Medicare paid for it, uh, but so I would sit on one side, my grandpa sit on the other, and we would tell stories. And she was not in pain because I knew pain. Uh, and once in a while she'd say, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I wanted to bring them alive as much as possible. That, so that kind of put the shift on. These are the people that, you know, I think they're pretty interesting. But I want people to love those that go through troubles. And I think, uh, and you've probably have seen this, for a lot of people, it's like the pandemic, pow, and yeah. they don't aren't always able to recover enough to go. Okay, let's go with with affection, and I understand that because I'm you know I I love all, I love all that stuff, and I know people aren't, but hopefully, uh, maybe I can do something to uh, change that for people because there's nothing worse than losing the person before they die, and because you are so grieving about it, which you're entitled to do. But uh, I, I had my, my grandfather's, uh, I'll tell you two stories. So my grandfather had all his stuff that he had left, books and pictures and other things. So I would bring them out, especially during that time. And uh, <laughs> years ago, when my, we were in another house, and I would walk in. My grandmother, she worked hard morning till late at night. So she wasn't visiting, and she kind of was daydreaming. And I would hear her from the other room. She'd go, Harold, my grandfather's clarion. So I'd ask, my, I'd ask her, Did you have, who's Harold? But they weren't listening to her. So when we went through her stuff, there are two letters from a Harold. I go, and I said, who was it? And I guess he was a young bull, a bull, but she, he smoked and she didn't like him. But I got the letters. I heard, because I listened and I, I thought that, so that's what, pay attention to the people. Because right now I'm older. I'm not the, you know, but try to keep people in their, in their life. And my other grandfather, he lived in Tonquish Creek from 74 till 2001 he he loved it it was affordable he had no pension uh but he did go out to south lion 
the Martin Luther home, which he really liked because he was very active till the last couple of weeks of his life, and he wasn't feeling good. He, and he was 90, only going to be 99. He had a pacemaker, which I found during those last nights of his life when he stopped breathing, or breathing, it, it was a pacemaker. But um, I, so I went in the last week of his life, and he just, uh, I'd sleep in his bed, he'd sleep in his chair. And uh, to have that time with him, when I walked in, I said, oh, what are you eating? He goes, applesauce. I go, oh, can I have some? He goes, no, get your own, because he had a great sense of humor. But the nurse came in almost the last day of his life, and the Bible was on his nightstand. He had married again. The woman was a good Christian woman. They got baptized, and he read the Bible. And he said, she goes, oh, are you reading? I said, it's my third time through. And she goes, what do you, where are you at? He said, Job. Oh, yeah, Job had a lot of problems. He goes, but God rewarded Job afterwards. And, I, and she said, do you want me to read to you? And he goes, I already know it all. <laughs> so my grandpas were great storytellers. But, I, but nobody else was there. And I said, that is such a loss. And to be, because he, I have a picture of him holding me. He was always with me. Mm-hmm. But he worked, and then I, you know, to be with them at that moment. And I think when people stay away, it's something that is very hard for them, which I understand, but don't lose it. It, You know, we all die. Yeah. And in my case, I did go down, and I got back up. I may not the next time. Mm. So I, because I don't want my, my obituary to be, oh, she has stroke, she died. I want her back yeah, and at least now I can say whatever happens next, um, I can say, well, I did get up when I could, and if I didn't, I could. I it's because I could. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that, uh, Deborah, again, that thank you so much for your perspective on everything, not just your book, but. All these little stories that you've just shared. Yeah, I can't shared. help myself. My cramp is here. They, <laughs> cr- they've inherited my. Tell them that story. Yeah. I have to be careful. Just, I used to tell my grandma, "See you later," and then I said, "There's an off button." I I still can't believe 1897. Yeah. Wow. That's. Yeah. That's... The, the, and if you're with, especially the that time, if you were able to have elderly or grandparents live a long life, in our time. Um, and plus, they went. My husband watches. He's a war buff, you know, mm-hmm. history buff. Um, the changes in our lives and the filming. Because back when they were born, the late eighteen hundreds, they had cameras, they had pictures. So now, even though we have lots of it, those few pictures we have are, are precious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's awesome, um, Deborah. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Uh, for those listening, check out uh, Deborah's website again. It'll be in the description of the video as well as a link to the Amazon page if you wanted to purchase it there as well. And thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Um, my name is Chris. This has been Cheetash, and take care, everybody. <laughs>